On this episode of Inside Music Cast, we're taking you to Norway for a chat with a rising star making waves across his own country and gaining notoriety and respect in many areas around the world. I want you to know it don't matter where you at or what you do. The party's on and you gotta send in just released his third solo album, Keep Moving, a soulful, funky, and American West Coast-laced collection of songs that captures the essence of a variety of musicians that have influenced his musical path. Artists such as Pages, Seawind, Stevie Wonder, and Gino Vanelli, just to name a few. Ule dove into the world of music at the early age of five, appearing on his first record by the time he was only six years old. From the age of 16, he has been a full-time musician and has toured the world with numerous bands, including the acclaimed death metal band, Extol. Inside Music Cast is proud to welcome singer, guitarist, and an amazing horn arranger, Ule Baru. Hey, Ule, thanks for joining us today. Thanks. <laughs> and uh, also joining us today uh, down in uh, Florida is our correspondent, Scott Gross. Hey, Scott, thanks for uh, hanging out with us today. Oh, my pleasure, guys. How you doing, Ule? Hey, I'm doing fine. Well, you know, Ula, it goes without saying that uh, you're, you're definitely in demand, especially by our audience here on Inside Music Cast. And in fact, Eddie and I have received so many requests from listeners to have mm-hmm. you on the show, and we're, we're really thankful that you're here today. And, you know, there's a there's a ton of chat happening on our Facebook site about your, your new album, and, you know, you're really turning out to be a... Uh, uh, from our perspective, anyway, uh, an international star. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, you guys. That's uh, big words, but you know, it's. Uh, let me just say, it's an honor to be a part of uh, your family, so to speak. So well, it's really cool being a part of the show. Yeah. 
what we know about you is you're certainly well known in Norway and in many parts of Europe. But uh, here in the States, you're, you're certainly stirring up a lot of interest. And uh, even though the music scene here is is so much different than, than what you're used to over there in Europe, there's still a lot of thirst for the kind of you know quality music you're creating. And I think when when people here in the States hear your music, they're, they're really going to dig it. I certainly hope so. I mean, I'd love for, you know, the, the people that, you know, enjoy this type of music and, um, you know, whoever gets into it to, you know, get a chance to get into it. So yeah. definitely, I'd, I'd love for, you know, the music to get over there. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, it's uh, I, I, we've observed over this past uh, couple of years that there's just a neat resurgence of, and, and I don't want to label your work as 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 retro, but it it is a kickback on this on the West Coast sound of uh, that's so classic. But there's Definitely. such a resurgence of visiting the classic sounds, whether it's Motown, whether it's West Coast, whether it's you know, it, there's there's such a hunger for that, and yeah. I, I think it's really all about timing as to when you know if you would have put out your music 10 10 15 years ago i think it would have been after the the hunger and before the the you know yeah. that type of thing but do you notice the same thing that there's a, a new interest in this style well yeah actually because um as for me uh i grew up with this stuff you know so that's the reason why i'm doing it now you know because when i was like four or five years old and driving in the car with my parents, you know, we'd listen to Pages and Donald Fagan and Gino Vanelli and uh, Airplay and, mm -hmm, uh, you know, mm -hmm. you name it, we'd listen to it. And um, so that that's basically the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing now, because I just realized that, hey, this has been following me all my life and it feels just so natural doing it. But what I realized is, when I recorded the first album and, you know, that one came out, um, all of a sudden I realized that there are tons of, you know, youngsters getting into this stuff now, you know, right. which is really cool. And at the same time, you have those, you know, folks growing up with the stuff same way I did, you know, yeah. uh, really getting into it as well. So it's kind of like an... An awakening, yeah. If you, like, you know, yeah. You know, you you mentioned something that's really interesting is that it's it's part of you. It's sort of like uh, it's natural for you to produce this type of music because you know, <laughs> I think we've all heard people that try to do the 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 Motown sound or this this uh, you know West Coast sound and and if they yeah. don't really have it naturally, it can sound horrible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you well, know? you know, I, yeah, it could I, really I, sound I totally bad. Agree with that, um, but I just. I would just have to speak for myself and, you know, uh, this is, it's just basically uh, a really natural thing for me to do, natural way to think music. Um, yeah. That doesn't mean to say that I do not enjoy other types of music because I really do. And I think that's, that's actually a, a key to maintaining a kind of a fresh uh, attitude towards anything you do, you know, mm -hmm. you have to, you know. Uh, at least in my opinion, you have to, you know, just check out a whole lot of stuff and, and get into it, you know. And um, But when it comes to this type of music, mm -hmm. it's always been a part of me. And it's, yeah, like I said, it's just a really natural way to go. Well, I want to spend the first part of this interview getting to know you more and learning, and of course our audience, getting to know about where you've come from, musically speaking. And, yeah. you know, growing up and living in Norway, you grew up surrounded by music. Mm -hmm. And, you know, first of all, tell us a little bit about your father, his career and, and how it influenced and involved you even as a young musician. Yeah, um, I grew up in this family uh, that has been working with uh, music um, for a long time. And uh, you mentioning my dad, well, he's actually 
been a huge part of the the gospel scene in Norway ever since like the late 60s actually. So he was kind of like maybe one of the first guys to do something uh I don't know, fresh if you like when it comes to the gospel scene. So right. he's he's kind of like, you know, been um in the front if you like uh, when it comes to that stuff. And um so I'm the youngest of uh, three siblings, and I've got an older brother and an older sister. Mm-hmm. And the three of us, when we grew up, uh, we, you know, eventually turned into this um, children's group. Um, and we, you know, I, I think we started like, you know, the first performance we ever did was when I was like five years old. And uh, the story tells uh, that, you know, I was kind of like... Um, lured into this uh, by, you know, uh, mom and dad uh, saying that, you know, if you sing, you'll get a piece of gum, you know. (laughs) So that was kind of like the starting, yeah, that was like the um, starting point, actually, Mm -hmm. more or less, you know. But, you know, I've been growing up with uh, music, uh, you know, ever since I learned to speak, I probably sang as well, you know, so. Mm -hmm. And um, that's the way it's been. Well, when you began your foray into music, what was the first instrument you picked up and became interested in? Uh, let's see. Um, I do believe the first instrument that I you know, tried was probably bass guitar, but it didn't last too long. And, you know, I wanted to play rock guitar, you know. <laughs> so um, I... I don't think I played bass for that long, you know, and I picked up this electric guitar and had a couple of lessons and, um, yeah, went on from there, basically. Well, I'm going to combine a couple of questions here that you might be able to to roll into into one answer, but um, the, you know, just thinking about growing up back in the days when you were first, you know, really getting into music and learning music, uh, what were you listening to there in Norway? What kind, what kinds of, what artists were you listening to? Were they uh, more, you know, local Norwegian artists or were you listening to a lot of music coming out of England and the States or, uh, or ultimately, um, uh, what, you know, what were some of the musicians that, that really were influencing you also? Yeah. Well, um, like I said, you know, when I was a kid, we'd listen to a whole lot of different stuff in the car, and some of that stuff followed me all the way. You know, um, I've been saying this like in tons of interviews that Pages is probably my all-time favorite. Yeah, and so that's been a part of me all the you know all the way. But you know, when I was a kid, um, I'd listen to mostly stuff from the states and England, and uh, you know, I could mention like um, you know. The same cats one more time, you know, like, say, for instance, you got Pages, you got uh, Donald Fagan, you got uh, Gino Vanelli, you got Airplay, you got um, Seawin. We used to listen to Seawin a lot. Yeah. A lot of great stuff there. Mm-hmm. And um, also, actually, Bob and Pauline Wilson, you know, mm-hmm. that album. Sure. That's right. Cool. Yeah. Love that one. And, um, well, you know, uh, Bill Champlin, obviously. Um Chicago and blah blah blah, and um, um, as for the English stuff, that would be um, I, I'd listen to Nick Kershaw. You know, I remember so clearly we bought the first album of Nick Kershaw, and uh, we were you know out on with the family, and we picked up this cassette with Nick Kershaw. We didn't know too much about him. We just you know somebody you know said, hey, you should check out Nick. Mm-hmm. So I remember that. And I remember Level 42, basically because my brother 
probably is one of the biggest uh, fans of Level 42 from Norway. So. Yeah. We just had uh, Mark King on just uh, about a month and a half ago. And yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a pretty, yeah, no, pretty. Amazing. I read that one. That was cool. Yeah, that was a, that was a great interview. Mark's Mark's an amazing guy. He was uh, very very great to talk to as well. He was really down to earth, and so we really appreciated that. Are, are you a self taught musician, or, or did you have formal training, or was it a combination? I would say self taught. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would because, uh, like I said, I had like a <laughs> couple of lessons on guitar, and that was it. You know, so uh-huh. most of the stuff I, you know picked up and learned as you know self-taught more or less yeah Mm -hmm. i've gone through my musical life without too much uh clear knowledge of the theory part of it you know actually Mm -hmm. so that's that's been coming like the um later on more or less for me you know Mm -hmm. but it's definitely um a good thing to know your theory absolutely but as for me you know started with ears it did right so how how do you approach charts and that type of thing when you're when you're writing something you know uh, how do you musically uh, I know it it probably starts then as an idea in the head but how do you make it uh, black and white how do you translate it to the players are you uh, you break down charts now at this, uh, wherever you come in your notation yeah well. I guess I'm not too good at that yet, but um, like I said, I know my theory, but yeah. what I do is that I basically have demos ready with arrangements and mm-hmm. everything, you know, so in that sense, I have everything, you know, ready and set for them to play, more or less, and uh, something will always happen and occur when you, you know, start recording, which is really cool, you know, you start throwing, you know, ideas back and forth and Mm -hmm. you get some new stuff coming up. uh, And I always make sure to arrange it uh, or make it sound like it's meant to be that way, you know. So, but in that sense, I just, um, I give the guys, you know, some decent demos for them to listen to and... um, I got this one guy who's really good at writing it out, so That's he's good. helping me out with that one. Yeah. Hey, Ula, you know what's what's interesting? We've been talking to you for about ten minutes now, and and I wouldn't really know that you're Norwegian. Yeah. Uh, okay. You, you don't yeah. really have you know your English is so good, and and it's like the accent. I don't even really hear like you know any hint of a Norwegian accent in your voice. <laughs> okay. Might have to do with the fact that um, I've been over to the states uh, quite a few times, and um, well, I'd say that um, most of the you know people from Norway do know English like you know fairly well. You know, mm-hmm. uh, that's not to say that all of them have like you know perfect accent or whatever. But you know, right. I've always taken an interest in that. So I was listening to your voice, and I the first time we've chatted together. Obviously, we've heard your music and your songs, and of course, you know the. You know, sometimes you really can't hear any sort of accent or translation when it comes to singing, but in your speaking voice, I mean, you just, you really sound like, you really sound American. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to take it as a compliment. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, sure. <laughs> All right. Americans being so cool and everything, you know. <laughs> well, you, you yeah. obviously knew music was, was going to be your career path. I mean, I, you know, it's deep within your genes. And when you set out on this path, what were your personal goals as a musician and a songwriter? I mean, did you establish those goals early on? Not really, because, um, you know, we we did spend a lot of time with the family stuff, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And when that said, like early on, I was like heavily into metal stuff. <laughs> and so I was kind of like, you know, pursuing that for quite a, quite a while, actually. But it was great fun, you know, because I got to do a whole lot of, you know, 
um, fun stuff uh, within that genre. So, um, and that probably tells me something about myself, you know, that, you know, I, I like a whole lot of different stuff, basically, you know. It's not to say that, you know, I'm all West Coast and I hate other stuff because that's not true. Um, what what it does tell me is that the West Coast part is kind of like a natural thing that's just been, you know, a part of me all the way, you know, even through the metal uh, period, if you like, you yeah. know. Uh, so um, I guess I never, you know, I didn't have like, you know, set goals when I was like 10 years old and, you know, set up like, okay, I'm going to do this and this. But it's just a natural, you know, evolving well, you you touched on metal here a second ago, and you yes. know fans fans of your current music, you know people who are yeah. really getting into your current you know, your last couple of albums, they understand your vibe. It's you know very funky, soulful West Coast style pop, but but they might be a little surprised if they don't know about your past to know you know your some of your roots. And you arrived you know to this new genre of music that you're doing from a very different path. Talk about you know your experience with a couple of death metal bands that you're in, Extol being one of them. Yeah. Uh, well, it all started, you know, when I was like, say, 12 or 13 years old, and I was hooking up with this friend of mine, and he was like totally into some sort of, well, you know, what do you have, like punk or metal or whatever, and, you know, I got a kick out of it, being a youngster and everything, but it actually stayed with me, so I, I really did take an interest, um, you know, when it came to metal, and, um, you know, uh, what kind of possibilities um, was, you know, available and everything like musically. So I was really, you know, into that scene for quite a while. And I got to, I got to record this one album with a friend of mine early on. Uh, it was kind of like a, you know, a, you know, a fun thing to do. We didn't know too much about studio or anything, but, you know, it was, it was all fun, all good. And uh, later on, I joined, um, this band called Extol, and we did quite a few albums, and we even traveled the states a couple of three times or something like that. Actually, so like I said earlier on, it's all just a matter of of um, enjoying music, basically. Sure. As for you know, for my part, yeah. that's the way I look at it. So it's. It, like for now, you know, it's not that I'm like, you know, denying my past as a metalhead or anything like that. It's just that, you know, I don't dress like a metalhead or anything like that these days. But I could easily, you know, enjoy or acknowledge uh, good metal. Yeah, mm -hmm. That's not a problem at all. You know, as long as the stuff is good, it's cool. You know? Right, right. Yeah. You know, you spent, you spent what, about five or six years with Extol, didn't you? Let's see. I started out uh, just stepping in on bass guitar like in 96 or something and uh, joined the band like full time in 97. And um, we recorded the first album uh, in 98. But then I left the band in 2000 and rejoined the band in 2003 for one record and stayed with the band for like a one year period of time, you know. So that's it. For me, <laughs> I'll tell you what. Let's let's take a listen to a track from Extol. This is a track called "Renewal" from an album called "Undeceived," and uh, this was released back in 2002. And this will give fans a, a taste of, of sort of the diversity of, of where you were and where you are now. So let's take a listen.
one of the things I wanted to ask you about this, this style of music, this death metal. It, it was. Uh, I was just listening to, you know, I've heard a lot of that kind of music before, so I'm not unfamiliar with it. But, but man, when you really listen to it, I think about how beautiful your voice is. You know, how you just have an amazing singing voice. But when I listen to that, I, there's so much energy and so much, you know, to a degree, screaming to an effect. Yeah, and, and it's absolutely. like, how did you take care of your voice? Well, uh, a lot of people um, think that uh, since, you know, I'm a singer, I was the singer in Exal, but I wasn't. I was playing guitar, so I didn't do too much of the screaming stuff. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I probably couldn't do it either, you know, because you you actually have to train your vocals to do it yeah. properly. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're going to kill your voice, you know. Yeah. So um, we had some like uh, harmony parts, if you will. Right, right. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I didn't do that, you know. But apart from that, I was the guitar player, and I had a lot of fun just um, you know throwing out riffs and all stuff, you know. It was all good fun. Mm-hmm. That's how that's how I ruined my voice. A lot of Spanish <laughs> Spanish uh, death rock music. Yeah, and I'm just yeah. kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Even though we mentioned that uh, you know these these bands were were you know death metal, the bands that you were in were basically Christian based death metal bands. You you know obviously we were spreading a message through that music and and yeah. uh, you know but but really when you compare that to your your current music, you know. Your message is is the same. It's just packaged a little bit differently, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so, meaning that you know, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus, and I, you know, definitely let that affect every part of my life as much as I can. You know, and so, um, yeah. In that sense, I, you know, I'd like for people to know about it and um, just try to let them in on how I feel in well what my experiences are um when it comes to being a christian you know so and we've yeah. had, and we've had several guests you know that uh you know pro- profess their, their faith and and you yeah. know it it's it's really all the whole package you know everybody's belief is it all gets mixed up into the music that that you ultimately produce and uh and mm. and so i mean it, it's all it's all part of of, of everything and uh, and obviously your uh your your music has has been uh, portraying that but it wasn't until 2008 that you released your second solo album called Shaking the Ground and yeah. uh and, and tell us about the five or six years in between your solo work and the uh, the gig of you know after you left Extol uh what kind of projects were you working during that lapse of time i mean were you doing live gigs were you backing away for a little bit what was happening during during that that period because uh it was quite a uh, style shift if we uh, want to call it that yeah, definitely. Well, you know, first of all, you're calling uh, Shaking the Ground my second uh, album. And um, you are definitely right, because yeah. I did this uh, album called Chiro in 2002, I think. But as for me, you know, Shaking the Ground is my first album, because it's my debut as um, as a songwriter uh-huh. and uh, just, you know, re- you know, releasing a package that's that's mine, you know, that I can, you know say I did this because uh, when it comes to Chiro that was a you know just a bunch of covers of other artists so it was kind of like you know it was a fun thing to do but uh, it didn't like um, go that deep if you will so anyways um, well let's see during that period I probably was just working as a freelance you know Mm -hmm. you you were mentioning like play life and stuff like that I do a whole lot of you know 
that stuff okay. during those years, basically. Uh, but that said, you know, when uh, I would say around 2004 or something like that, you know, I'd start thinking about, man, I'd love to do something solo. And from there on, uh, I probably, you know, started doing small demos and small ideas that hinted towards um, shaking the ground. So um, mm -hmm. that was kind of like the small birth, if you will, somehow. Yeah. During, mm -hmm. yeah right around there. Well, I want to. I just want to jump back here for a second because you mentioned the the Chiro album, and that was that actually was your your first solo release. You know, like like you mentioned, a lot of people think that Shaking the Ground was, but but you know that that album was I think released in two thousand two, and that was sort of right towards the end of your tenure with uh, Extol, right? Yeah, it, more or less. Yeah. Well, um, I did quit the band in uh, two thousand, and I did this album in two thousand and two, and then I actually rejoined the band yeah. in two thousand and three for that, a one year period of time, mm -hmm. and released the you know the last album I participated on. Uh, anyway, so uh, but anyways, it was kind of like a you know over overlaps somehow, yeah. Well, that, this particular album, this this Chiro album, this 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 solo album is quite a departure from you know the the metal tunes you were recording. And uh, tell us about this change in musical direction. It's kind of weird because um, I know that you know up through the years, a lot of people um, have spent some time trying to get around the fact that I've been doing uh, so many different things. But I re you know I can recall thinking to myself at that time that I didn't see any problem with it. You know, I could probably do it, you know, at the same time, mm -hmm. basically, because I enjoy a whole lot of different stuff. That's not to say that I, you know, I don't do a whole lot of metal stuff these days. I don't, you know, uh, but I could easily, you know, acknowledge um, a good act, uh, so to speak. So in that sense, I really, I really just enjoy a whole lot of different stuff. But I guess I just realized that I really wanted to dig deep into the kind of, uh, you know, funk slash soul slash West Coast kind of vibe, you know, because I just realized that, hey, man, this has been a, such a huge part of me mm -hmm. during my whole, you know, during my life, even through the metal uh, years as well. I'd always, you know, come back to pages and, you know, just love it. Right. So that's where the shaking the ground basically was birthed from, from all that. So it was, uh, it was really a, almost a full circle for you, wasn't it? Probably, yeah. You know, like for now, you know, I could, I feel like there's a huge freedom in <laughs> dealing with music and, and, you know, writing music. And I feel like, you know, hey, man, I can do whatever I want. And that's so cool. That's what I love about music. Mm -hmm. And so... That's what I'm actually doing right now. I'm doing the, you know, shaking the ground, and uh, now lately, uh, you know, released the keep moving as a, you know, follow up mm -hmm. to um, shaking the ground, and uh, you know, I'm just doing what I love, you know. Yeah. Well, you you sent us this album around a year ago, and uh, from that moment that we started listening, you know, we were pretty much hooked with it, and because uh, you know, you it's it's a very robust album. You know, we even from the opening horn arrangements, uh, yeah. we knew that backyard party was you know just going to be really funky type of track, and but but you know, tell us about your inspiration uh, on and this. Uh, uh, one question that I've got is you know talking about the horns is how do yeah. you you know your horns arrangements are such a big part of your music. And um, yeah. how did the horn aspect enter this this whole thing? Even uh, enter with shaking the ground. 
Well, on the Shaking the Ground album, I did collaborate with a couple of the guys that, you know, uh, tracked the horns. Mm -hmm. So they helped me out with some of the sheets, you know. And uh, I don't know. I I guess it's just a part of, you know, the fact that it's it's uh, this type of music, this style has always been with me. And it's kind of like just coming up to the surface through what I'm writing. And so when I'm doing this, I'm kind of like, you know, just getting into this zone where it just all comes naturally somehow, mm-hmm. I guess. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's kind of like, you know, I just get a certain feel for what I think, okay, this will work and uh, what will not, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I obviously take my time and make sure that uh, it'll be the way I want it to be. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So like I mentioned earlier, um, I make sure the guys get, uh, you know, uh, their parts and um, yeah, I thoroughly uh, think it through. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> I had a recording it definitely. Well, I want to yeah. I want to stay on the topic of shaking the ground for a, for a minute. And there's a couple of tracks I want to talk about. And the the first one is the second track of the album called "All Because of You." And this yeah. you know this track has such a you know such a fantastic groove. You know, some really beautiful vocal harmonies and and again those horn arrangements are so tight and just and just perfect. And to me. You know, I, to me, when I listen to it, I just I kind of hear like a Stevie Wonder vibe going on. Yeah, you're probably right about that because, you know, we've been talking about a whole lot of different um, uh, inspiration sources and uh, most of them, you know, being West Coast kind of style. But, you know, you're right on that one because that song was kind of like going in, in the direction of a Stevie Wonder vibe, if you like, definitely. And um, mentioning the um, horn section part on that one, that was written by um, this guy called Jens Petter Antonsen, which is one of the guys uh, in, you know, in the horn section. So, but Sticking with that song, All Because of You, in, in knowing yeah. your strong Christian roots, this is one of those songs that lyrically, when you listen to it, could either be about God or it could be easily be perceived as a song about you know, someone you love, uh, you know, like, yeah. a, like a girlfriend or something. I know. Was was that intentional to have that double entendre? Um, I don't think I ever, um, you know, go in my head like, okay, let's make this song and write about God, but let's not, you know, yeah, let's right. make it sound like it's for a girl. I don't think I think like that, but at the same time, I like for people to, you know, think just a little bit, you know, about what it might be. Mm-hmm. So. so and uh, you know, I'm I'm cool if it you know if it'll work for you know a guy singing to a girl. Sure. If, if he feels like it, you know that's all good. You know, it's all natural, and you know, it def- yeah, definitely promotes love. You know, and that's a good thing. So. Mm-hmm. I got my confirmation the minute I woke up. The delivery has arrived. I'm so excited Cause I know it's the real deal What I know about the content Tells me that I'm the lucky one And it's all because of you Skeptical, 
design burns just like that. But you got me converted. You got me all hooked up. track uh the vow you know that's about yeah. as funky as you can get you know there's a touch of james brown soul in this one and again Definitely. those those horns are just killer you know especially at the end of the track you know i can't tell you how many times i've turned that track up to 11 you know? <laughs> <laughs> well just tell us a little bit about the that that track the vow how you came up with that Ah, uh, that's a that's a you know actually quite a good story because uh the vow is um kind of like uh, my take on a love song. So I, I wrote that song to my wife, actually. And uh, funny thing is that, you know, she was like really frustrated with some stuff at, you know, work or school or whatever at that time, you know. For some reason, I just went in and wrote that song right about then, you know. And uh, she was probably, she was kind of like amazed that... Um, that was possible because she was really frustrated. But you know, I you know, 
I don't know. Maybe something triggered me into, you know, saying, you know, I'm I'm sticking with this woman, you know, I love her. And uh yeah, that's what the song is all about. And um um I'm um much more up tempo guy than uh like a ballad slash slow tempo guy. So mm-hmm. uh, for me it was really just natural doing it in that, you know, direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the musical um uh, part of it so yeah and from the album shaking the ground this is the vow on inside music cast i made up my mind i made up my soul i'm never gonna leave you ain't gonna let myself clear
I've got a question for you, and it, it has to do a little bit more of uh, the genre in itself. But you know, but when yeah. I, when I back away from this, Ola. Um, you know this this West Coast music, this style, and we talk about this quite a bit, even on 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 our Facebook page. It's yeah. um, is that you know this genre. It's it's I would say safely that it's it's almost a genre that's appreciated more by let's just say the more mature crowd. Okay, the guys that are going to be between thirty five and fifty or whatever, the guys that are yeah. just have all the vinyl and that kind of stuff, and that's that's where yeah. we hang our hat and we live and we we sort of dwell in this area. And that that's that's not. <laughs> That's not to say like you that we don't like other music, but mm-hmm. that's like, you know, that's sort of like a different age group. But we've noticed, you know, you're a very young guy and you must hear yeah. this a lot. I mean, how do you address it when people say you're so young? I mean, what are you, 34, something like that? 30, yeah. 30s? Um, yeah. When you hear a young guy musician embracing this type of genre, you know, what do you tell people that are sort of older and saying, man, you like that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, um, the only thing I can say is that, you know, it's such a huge, huge part of me, mainly because that's what we listened to when I was a kid. So mm-hmm. obviously my dad was into it, you know, and um, passed it on. So, um, yeah, that's all I can say, basically. You know, I was chatting with uh, our past guest, our most recent guest, yeah. Randy Goodrum. You know the name ah. well, Randy. Cool. And um, and he took a listen to your track. He he took a listen to it, and we were chatting about it a little bit. And, and you know, he's really impressed with uh, with what you're doing with it. You know, he's liking the vibe. He likes everything. And, and he says, you know, uh, you're, you're going to become a, a, a great one pretty much. But uh, but you've, you've, you've sort of piqued uh, the ears of a lot of people that – are writing still in the in this style and and creating some great music and I think uh, uh, our comment is is that it, it's good to see young people uh, coming in and and doing what they do. You follow me? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's just great fun being a part of a community, you know. Somehow, and and actually, I'm seeing a whole lot of young kids getting into it as well, which is really cool because at my shows I can see like you know like you're mentioning like the Mature guys. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I'm doing it like it with diplomacy. Um, <laughs> but also the young kids, you know, that attend music schools or whatever, they're really getting into the stuff because um, what can I say? There is a lot of stuff to chew, chew in it when it comes to the musical part. You know, you have like a, lots of arrangements and stuff like that. And it seems that young kids can definitely get into it as well. So, I mean, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Speaking about what Eddie said a second ago, how he mentioned Randy Goodrum and your music catching on, I, I recently chatted with Bobby Glad. You know Bobby? He, he's the, uh, he helps manage and promote Santa Fe and the Fat City Horns. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. And I, I'd ask him if he'd heard your music, and with, without hesitation, he said, you know, that Ule is off the charts. <laughs> he said he, said he wow. loves your music, and he, he wants to know he, he wants to know what's in the water over there in Norway. His, you know, he, said, <laughs> he said there seems to be some amazing music coming out of Norway and some of the other uh, Scandinavian countries as of late, some other great artists. And I just wanted to ask you about the, the scene in general in, in your area, in Norway, Scandinavia, and you know, parts of Europe that you've noticed. I mean, are, just from your perspective, are you seeing or hearing more of this style of music being – uh, performed by other artists. I mean, it, are you do you kind of have a lock on a niche there, or do you think that there's other artists that are kind of getting into the same kind of groove that you're getting into? 
Um, not sure, actually, because uh, when I, you know, when I did the first album, I kind of felt like I was uh, all alone mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, when it came to doing that stuff. But slowly, you're seeing, you know, uh, folks picking up on it, and um, but also, you know, some of the, you know, mature guys um, slowly, you know, coming out and, do- and doing stuff, which is really cool, you know. So it, somehow, you know, it's it's getting there. But I'm that's not to say that it's, uh, you know, a huge part of the of the, you know, the uh, scene. Yeah. No, I wouldn't say that actually. Um, it's probably bigger in Sweden than it is in Norway. I'd say. Um, that said, you know, Sweden has more people and, um, you know, obviously it has more, uh, possibilities somehow. So, um, <clears throat> but, you know, as for Norway, um, well, we certainly do have a good tradition when it comes to, uh, uh, getting good musicians, uh, you know, up and, up and coming, you know, mm-hmm. so um, we definitely do have, a. um, a good history when it comes to that and uh, a whole lot of really good jazz uh, acts uh, come from Norway as well you know so mm-hmm. we do have that but I'm, I'm not sure we do have uh, or I'm not sure we have a, a like a you know a solid uh, big west coast community somehow uh, but it's you know it's coming you know well sticking with that same thought uh, Uwe Reif, who's uh, one of our correspondents that lives in Germany, uh, you may yeah. know Uwe. I think he's been to some of your concerts here recently, too. Um, yeah. wh- he wants to know, his question is, and maybe you don't know the specific answer, but he said, you know, why is the West Coast jazz and, and this West Coast sound that so popular in Scandinavia? And where do you, where do these skills of mixing up traditional West Coast elements with updated styles come from? Hmm. Um... Because, you know, I mean, I'll add to Uwe's question. It is kind of, kind yeah. of unique that it seems like, uh, you know, different from, say, what we're used to here in the States. I mean, it seems like that whole West Coast sound is, is kind of passe. You know, I mean, people just, yeah, yeah, when yeah. they hear it, they, they they think about it. You know, I mean, because we're, I think our music industry here shoves, you know, the, the flavor of the day down our throat, and that's pretty much what we get. And yeah. radio has changed so much here as well. You just don't hear that kind of music. But it seems like it really lives in, in Europe and in, especially up in the Scandinavian countries. Exactly. Yeah, you're probably right about that, you know, because there are some new acts that, you know, really take it seriously. I think it has to do with that, you know, mm-hmm. just uh, trying to, I, you know, I c- could only speak for myself that I'm, I'm just basically trying to take it seriously and try to, you know, make the best possible music I can make and make it sound the best I can, you know. Uh, so uh, in that sense, uh, hopefully it'll get a kind of like a fresh uh, package, you know, uh, when it comes to sound. Because if if the only thing you you know um, associate West Coast with would be the old albums, that's the only kind of you know sound you'll uh, identify it with. But you know, hopefully you'll get some new acts and doing it with a you know with a fresh attitude and everything and. Uh, so that's probably what's happening up in Scandinavia. So. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. That question is from Uwe. Thanks, Uwe. What about the uh, the success of Shaking the Ground in Norway? How was it promoted and did you tour pretty extensively for it? I guess we did, you know, whatever we could. <laughs> uh, I didn't have too much uh, 
possibilities or money or anything to promote it uh, the way it you know would be fun to do but we did whatever we could and um, it's you know from my point of view I, I think that uh, most of the you know the, the way it's gotten around is probably by you know you know by people saying to each other or you know mentioning hey check this out you know so like you know firing a Dry grass, you know. So yeah, a lot of word of mouth mainly, right? Yeah, basically, that's mm-hmm. at least what I'm thinking because uh, I didn't have too much of of uh, promoting. We did do something, you know, uh, at the very beginning. You know, tried to, you know, we had a release party and we, you know, tried to ship it, you know, to some newspapers and stuff like that but you know uh, like i said uh, it's weird because you guys think that uh, west coast is like a, a a big thing in scandinavia but that's not uh, the way i think um when it, at least when it comes to norway uh, i i wouldn't say that west coast is a big thing you know because uh, what's huge here is uh, you know just straightforward pop music and rock music and um we even, you know, like I mentioned, we have a fairly decent um, jazz scene getting out, you know, in, to Europe and everything. But uh, I wouldn't say that uh, I wouldn't say that people that you know review albums are familiar with uh, a whole lot of West Coast, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. So uh, yeah, so <laughs> but hopefully we're getting there. Yeah. Well, from my standpoint, they should be right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's wrong with them? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, let's let's move ahead. We want to chat about your new album, the moment we've uh, all been waiting for here. Keep moving, and it was just released uh, in early April. I guess about a well from the date we we're recording this, about a week ago or so. And I know that uh, here in the states, we can we can buy it on iTunes. And are you uh, selling it on CD yet? Is it out there on a hard copy? It is definitely okay. We you know we just finished a week with um, release concerts uh, even in Oslo, Stockholm, and Copenhagen. So it was kind of a big thing for me. But you know, lots and lots of fun. We did the you know full act with uh, eleven cats on stage, and it was just a whole lot of fun. I bet. But yeah, it is in hard copy, definitely. How were the turnouts for your release parties? Well, I you know to me it was great. You know whole lot of folks showing up and uh yeah yeah great fun i'm i'm you know obviously i'm really uh i take what i do seriously and um therefore i you know definitely you know i'm like any other human being i guess you know so i'm i'm kind of like you know just a bit worried about you know how will this turn out Mm -hmm. are we gonna be able to pull it off live and everything you know but it turns out it worked really well so it you know it was all good one thing that we do know is that um, uh, your your style of music it's almost geared towards live performance. It really is mm-hmm. because I, I I really uh, you know I've I've seen a couple clips and and to see you on stage uh, I mean I just love live performance uh, any day honestly yeah. um, but but to, to see you I think uh, you know I think I would I would love to have the chance to see you and, and the whole band together performing because I I don't know you know how sometimes you think wow this CD just doesn't do it justice although the cd is great and amazing uh yeah. it, it totally changes it comes to li- life uh in a live performance because you, you know we really like this whole album from the beginning from the start to the finish i mean the performances arrangements the vocals um you know it's it's really an incredible effort and uh so we compliment you on this brand new album thank you so much i appreciate it thanks
We do want to ask a few questions regarding the the, the record, though. Before we do that, we yeah. want to ask, uh, uh, what what are your favorite tracks on Keep Moving? Oh, gee. Um, That's a tough one. Well, you know, it's, yeah, because, you know, it's been like, you know, so, um, wow. That's a hard one because I've been working with that so closely for such a long time now. And I'm, you know, just trying to get a, just a little bit of distance to it. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Maybe I'd say uh, it's a tie between Souls in Chains and Resting Day, actually. It'll probably change. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to let's talk about a few of the tracks on this record. Um, yeah. But uh, one of the tracks that I can I tell is, is, is sentimental and really a song from the heart is, is She's Like No Other, which was which I would assume is dedicated to your mother. It's, you know, it's a, a beautiful yeah. song, and I'm, I'm – Sure, your mother has to be proud of uh, have such a testament from her son in, in a song form like this. Yeah, well, it's true. It's it's a song from my mother, and uh, I just felt like you know I wanted to you know give her the credit she deserves, and um, so that's basically what I did. I just took a song that I wrote uh, to her birthday. Um, she was actually there on the release gig in Oslo, and uh, that was probably the first time she heard it, uh, you know, with a finished version. And uh, oh, that's nice. Yeah, it was sweet. It was really good. You get to sing it to her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, another track on the album that it's probably like you just mentioned it a second ago. It's probably my favorite on the album. It's it's uh, and it's actually it's really hard to pick just one. <laughs> I've listened to this album since I've had it for you know a week or so, and I've I've probably listened to it you know two dozen times. And uh, wow. the track is is Souls and Chains. And yeah. uh, tell us the story behind the lyrics on this one. It's it's kind of like um, trying to look at the way people, um, at least here in Scandinavia, are kind of like not being very open to each other. And uh, I, you know, there's a distinct feeling that we cover up a whole lot of stuff that's really needed to come out, you know, into the light. And, um, you know, I'm, you know, what I'm basically saying as is that we all need a savior and we all need to be, you know, uh, released from whatever we are trying to carry through life that we are not able to carry through life, you know? And, uh, so, um, there's a whole lot of, you know, thing that we try to cover up, which ultimately makes us unhappy, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, musically, it's it's very progressive. And, you know, you have some interesting um, key signature and time signature progressions happening. And, and when, I, when I hear it, it sort of reminds me of the way, you know, Level 42 or like early Ambrosia arranged some of their tunes, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. back in their early days. And, and again, I, you know, a common theme here, your horn arrangements are just incredible on this song. Thanks. I would say that my main influence on this song when it comes to the parts, you know, that, you know, slowly comes down the road uh, during the song, you know, with a seven slash four part and that stuff, you know, uh-huh. um, that's mainly coming from Seawind, actually, mm-hmm. old Seawind stuff. Mm-hmm. That was probably what was inspiring me to do that kind of thing, if you will. Well, I've got an itch to play this track because uh, I know our audience is really going to dig it. So here is Souls and Chains from Ula's new record, Keep Moving, on Inside Music Cast.
it's funny you mentioned Seawind because, you know, uh, just this past week on Facebook, I was uh, having uh, a couple of dialogues with, with Kim Hutchcroft. You probably remember the names. Kim Hutchcroft, Ken Wild, um, you know, um, Gilles, you know, all, all these guys. And, and, you know, the guys that are from, familiar with the Seawind horns, you know, you go, it, it really pulls you into the horn section, doesn't it? I mean, it, it's, it was like uh, the music was all written around the horns, you know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly that's that's the feeling i get as well you know so yeah. and um you know for my part the horn section is definitely uh you know a, such a vital and important part of what i do yeah, right yeah. now with the, with the stuff you know and um when it comes to keep moving i actually did all of the horn arrangements myself this time so very nice um, very nice yeah, thanks and uh that was basically because i i just wanted to make sure that everything was uh, you know, right from the beginning, uh, well thought through, <laughs> more or less, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. hopefully it is. There's such a consciousness to uh, to your lyrics. I mean, really connected with what's going around, and you know, I can't cool. tell you how much we appreciate that. Let me just say that I, uh, you know, on this album, I've been collaborating with uh, this woman called Jackie Cavan, and she's actually from the states. She lives in Stockholm, hmm. so she deserves a lot of credit for you know. How was that collaboration? Tell us about uh, working with her and, and what was her function in this? Well, um, we, you know, uh, she just, you know, uh, got in contact with me saying that, you know, she was a writer and uh, if I ever needed somebody to collaborate with, you mm. know, to give her a call. Or, and so I did, you know, I probably sent her a mail or something. Anyways, we just started off basically and um, threw back and forth some ideas and um, whatever I had uh, when it came to ideas, I, I'd ship them to her and she'd, you know, uh, take it from there and, you know, try out some lines and everything. And I was, all, you know, it was always freedom, you know, we just ship back and forth some, uh, some word documents and uh, I just dive right into whatever she did and, and you know, vice versa and so it was just really cool because I've never done that before. And it was yeah. really, and she was a really good person to work with, she, you know, all cool and no, you know, n- not a big ego at all, you know, really cool. So, um, yeah. Yeah. You've, uh, you've met um, one of our IMC Inside Music Cast correspondents, uh, Mikhail Ingstrom, uh, yeah. who lives in your neighborhood over there. And you actually sat down with him. And he has a question that he sent in, and he wants to ask about the fact that uh, Santa Fe uh, and the Fat City Horns are playing, uh, uh, you know, one of your songs at, at the Palms. Yeah. And uh, was there any discussion about that? Or how, how did that happen, that they're uh, playing one of uh, Ole's uh, tracks over there? It was basically um, somebody told me um, a long time ago that uh, there was this, uh, you know, this uh, bunch of cats in, in Las Vegas that um, for some reason uh, had gotten hold of uh, Shaking the Ground and that they were digging it. And I was like, wow, that's cool. Thanks. And, uh, you know, ultimately I got in contact with Jerry and, um, well, you know, I from what I remember, they were just, you know, he was just asking, hey, man, could we get the score to Backyard Party? We'd like to do it, you know. And uh, I was like, you know, I'm... I'm just honored that they'd love to do it, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I actually I hope to, you know, I hope to collaborate with those guys someday. Someday, you know, that'd be cool. That'd be very cool. Well, we've heard a rumor that you might be out there sometime later this year. Is that is that is there any truth to that rumor? 
There is. I'm hoping to uh, have a trip to the States sometime in October, hopefully. So we'll see what happens. Um, Mikhail also had another question about, you mentioned, we talked a little bit about promotion of your albums and how, like, you didn't really have the, uh, uh, sort of the monetary backing to really promote Shaking the Ground like you wanted to. But on this album, has anything changed or will you have, do you, uh, are, are, is this your project or do you have somebody behind you as far as, uh, promotion's concerned? And, and what about your efforts to maybe, you know, market this more in the States? Yeah, um... It still is kind of like a, you know, we have to do something to, you know, get in contact with the states, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and for that matter. But you know, uh, on this album, I'm on a, um, I'm still uh, releasing it on my own uh, label, OBM. But I'm actually licensing it to this uh, label called Connection, which is from Sweden, and um, you know. From there on, you know, uh, they've been working and um, we, you know, obviously we had three release gigs and, you know, they were a huge part of that. And um, so in that sense, uh, there's definitely um, a lot more uh, effort going into trying to promote it this time, which is, you know, really good. I'm, you know, I I just feel like the happiest guy about that, you know, it's really cool. It's really fun to uh, all of a sudden be a part of a... Uh, you know, like a a team somehow, you know, like for, when it came to the first album, I was like on my own more mm-hmm. or less. But as for now, I'm all of a sudden collaborating with um, uh, some people on it, which is really cool. So yeah. and they're digging it and they're, you know, trying to do whatever they can, which is really cool. So, mm-hmm. so uh, how would you compare the process of recording Keep Moving you know, compared with Shaking the Ground in terms of the creative process? Was it difficult getting the songs together or was it an easy process for you? Yeah, um, this time around it was probably uh, way more focused, I'd say, because uh, when it came to Shaking the Ground, I started doing demos, uh, you know, uh, all the way back to probably like 2003 or four or something like that, you know, just small ideas of something, you know, and from there on it developed. And, and from there on, I also tried to, you know, hook up with, uh, some different production teams and blah, blah, you know, what have you, but it, nothing turned out to work. So I've, you know, ultimately had to do it myself, but whereas this time around, I just knew what I had to do. And um, so what I've been doing is just, you know, making sure I had the songs I needed to have. And, uh, you know, that takes its time, but it's just a matter of doing it more or less. <laughs> and um, after that, it was just a matter of, you know, uh, booking the different musicians and making sure I got what I needed on tape. And and uh, after that, I'd bring it back home and, you know, I'd sit and work with it and do whatever needed to be done it wise or you know anything like that and i'd also back home i i'd be tracking vocals and guitars yeah sure. and uh, let's take one final break because uh, i want to squeeze in another song from uh, the new album keep moving this one seems to be getting a lot of attention especially from comments we've seen on our facebook site and this is the track called broken people
Sunrise 
I have a, I have a question that kind of focuses more on the technical aspect of the recording of the album, and that is, and they're pretty simple questions, but I'm just curious about how you tracked. You know, th- this is an interesting thing. When I listen to this album, it, yeah. it, it's such a... It's such an organic sort of feel. I know that you've, I know that you've had all live players. Your drum sounds great. Everything sounds so amazing. And it, to me, it sounds like this could have been done analog. But was it analog or was it digital? Digital. Was it? Yeah, definitely. Well, well kudos, uh, uh, kudos to your engineer because, um, because you know, a lot of times it's, it's difficult to get a digital recording that really has that really warm analog feel. And I think you pull it off on this. Yeah. Thanks. Well, you know, um, the credits say that uh, I produced the album, and I did uh, because I, you know, I've I've sort of had like um, the overview all the time of you know the whole um, production and everything. But when it came to the mixing part, uh, that was me and uh, Ruben Dahl, which is my drummer, and uh, he's kind of like you know uh, my guy to go to when uh-huh. it comes to doing stuff like that. But both he and I work with Cubase. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um but you know from there on that's just basically a matter of having a platform to work you know work yeah, from. Sure. So sure. it could have been it could have been anything, could have been pro tools, could have been whatever. But uh he has uh Ruben has a lot of uh you know just great stuff to work on and uh he has a good ear uh and that's probably the most important thing in my opinion is the good ear. And knowing where to go when it comes to the, you know, the sound. So who is Hilda? Who is Hilda? Oh, that's my wife. That's Hi. my wife. Yeah, <laughs> I always let her in just you know on a little part here and there. <laughs> <laughs> you're a good, you're a good husband. You're a good husband. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> sure, you can sing on my album. <laughs> Mikhail had one more question, and it was uh, yeah. being the energetic live performer that you are. Do you have any plans to record a a live DVD in order to spread more news about your music. Um, I've been thinking about it, and it would be that would be a treat. You know, it'd be so much fun, but it would also be a lot of work. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, I'm. I guess I'm a control freak, and um, I'm a you know a little bit of a perfectionist. So. I know it would take a lot of time, yeah. <laughs> but it would be fun, though. So uh, hopefully, yeah. somewhere down the road, it'll happen. Yeah, and to do that right, it would be, probably be pretty costly as well. I would imagine to to really do it, you know, do it justice, right? Well, yeah, but at the same time, there is, you know, there are a lot of possibilities these mm-hmm. days you know, to make it happen sure. uh, with, with uh, you know a smaller amount of money. But you know, I, I'm just I just know that it will it would be a lot of work, but yeah, maybe, maybe someday it'll happen. Okay. Would be cool. Well, uh, before we we're going to wrap up here, but before we go, I wanted to ask Scott. Uh, Scott, do you have any additional questions you wanted to uh, to ask uh, Ule before we go? Uh, not really any questions. Just to uh, you know, just to mention how much uh, you know we appreciate your work and and you know it, it's just so refreshing to have and to hear such diversity in music now because you don't hear that here in the states. Mm-hmm. And thanks. Uh, you know, you're really bringing uh, bringing a real sophistication in terms of the past and, and bringing it together with, you know, what you're doing now, what's happening now. And, you know, the, the merging of those two things is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's just so refreshing to hear, man. Thanks so much for bringing it. Yeah, really. Thank you so much. I, you know, I appreciate that a lot. And um, 
can only say that, you know, I'm just trying to do whatever feels natural and, you know, trying to do it the best way I can, basically. So, and, but uh, I'm glad people like it, you know. Definitely. Cool. And before we go, Ula, I just wanted to ask, you know, now that the album uh, Keep Moving is out, um, uh, people can uh, find more information about you on your MySpace site, correct? Um, is, that I your, would, is that your main no, site? The Facebook site. The MySpace is kind of like down for <laughs> for for the moment, but um, okay. right. on Facebook would be more updated. Okay, uh, yeah. So I I advise people to go to um, um, Facebook dot com slash Ole Board Music. That's great. You know I'm. I'm old and I'm bored. (laughs) (laughs) Anything but that. People here in the States, if they want to get your CD, a hard copy, uh, where's that going to be able to happen? Any ideas yet? Um, Not really, actually, because uh, I know that, you know, it's available through iTunes, but um, apart from that, you'd probably have to order it, you know, from, I I know that it's available through cdon.com. Uh, probably you know Amazon as well. I'm not sure, but you know those portals would be uh, an option. I think sounds very cool. Well, we hope to uh, maybe. I guess our chance maybe to see you would be out in in Vegas if you make it out that way. So please let us know. And yeah, keep, that'd be great. I'd love to do that. Keep us posted on any updates, and we'll be sure to pass those on to our listeners here. Thanks. I will definitely. All right. Ula, thanks so much for spending the time with us, and good luck with uh, keep moving. And uh, hopefully, we'll we'll talk to you real soon. Likewise. Thanks for being a part of your show. Thank you, Ule. No problem. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Special thanks to Ule Barud for joining us on this episode of Inside Music Cast. Also, very special thanks to Inside Music Cast correspondents Scott Gross, Brian Pearson, Kim Riley, Max Zabe, Uwe Reith, and Mikhail Lingstrom. And please visit our website at InsideMusicCast.com, where you can catch up on all of our past interviews, read the Inside Opinion blog, and check out additional bonus content. Inside Music Cast is also on Facebook, where you can become a fan and join in on music conversation with Inside Music Cast fans from around the world. For Eddie Cabello, I'm Rick Such. Thanks for listening to Inside Music Cast.